0: John Wertheim here. It's this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Our guest is Patrick Baradaglou. He is a tennis entrepreneur. He owns a namesake academy. You probably know him best as coach of Serena Williams and of Coco Gauff. He's a commentator. He's also the commissioner of the UTS. What is UTS, you ask? It is the Ultimate Tennis Showdown, which is uh, one of these unsanctioned events that's occurring during COVID. This event is happening June 13th through July 12th. At, uh, at the Mortaglu Academy on the French Riviera. Players include Stefano Tsitsipas, Matteo Berrettini, David Goffin, Benoit Paire, Richard Gasquet. So uh, this is another one of these events that's going on while there are no tour events. So we talked with Patrick about UTS, but also a bit about tennis in 2020. He made some news this week when he talked about how tennis needs an overhaul, how the audience is getting older, and we talk about some of uh, the, the possibilities and plans there. He was, um, we, we recorded this full disclosure on Wednesday, a day before apparently there was a press conference. So he was a little bit coy about revealing the specifics of uh, UTS, but it does sound like he's going to unveil some of these innovations that, uh, that he talked about in, in vague terms. So uh, this is a good conversation. Uh, we agree on some things, disagree on others, but I uh, think you'll enjoy the next uh, half hour or so. So here's, here's Patrick. Where where are you? How are you?
2: I'm uh, at my tennis academy in south of France, and I'm good. I'm I'm very busy because we use that uh, down period to uh, to uh, to be as creative as possible.
0: <laughs> well, let uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. You also you, you look like you got a haircut. That is I not I did uh, I actually did yesterday. You have a good eye. <laughs> very good. You're the lucky ones. Um, so so you have uh you you have a big week ahead of you. Um, we, we were talking actually on, on Tennis Channel just an hour ago about, uh, about UTS and some of the, the players that are going to be in the field. What, what's the objective? I mean, it's the, the players need to play and events need to happen. Why do you do this?
2: Uh, I do this because I feel that tennis needs to reinvent itself. I know when I say that, it sounds a bit too much, but I expl- I'll, I'll explain why. Um, the tennis fans are getting older. fan base is getting older Uh, nothing against old people but uh, at a certain point any fan base has to be renewed Uh, if it's not renewed uh, people are getting older and older at some point it's not going to work anymore and when your fan base is 61 years old and gets one year older every year you have to start to worry and try to find solutions so i try to understand why we're in this situation Um, i realized that uh, first of all People feel that it was better before. And that's what I hear every day. And you probably hear the same, by the way, people tell me this every day, it's simple. It was better before. Okay, so I ask why? And they say, because we had better personalities before. And I think uh, I think that it's not true. I think we have great personalities in tennis, but I think they don't dare anymore expressing their emotions and expressing who they are. It's, um, it's, uh, it's all about being politically correct all the time. So it's not very fun for the, for new fans not very appealing. And uh, we get rid of a lot of diversity, diversity of game styles, diversity with the young players, very young women being in Grand Slam finals that we don't have anymore for, because of rules. All this is because of rules that have been, been put in place. Rules to prevent young players to reach the final of the Grand Slams. Rules to, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but we destroyed the, and get rid of the servant volley players, for example. This is because of rules also. Uh, I mean, the uniformization of the surfaces and the code of conduct, which is rules also that get rid of the diversity of the personalities on courts. And the personalities are very polished now. uh, And I think it affects the show. The game of tennis is incredible. The show of tennis, I think, is very old-fashioned. And the goal is to bring the best from the past uh, and also to be more modern in the way to showcase tennis, taking into consideration how people consume videos and sports and anything actually today.
0: Right. The, uh, the, the American cliche is that there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I mean, I think you, to to what extent are you differentiating between when, when the ball is in play and when it's not? Because I'm looking out there and I'm seeing, you know, I, I saw a 16 year old and I, I will call her a girl and not a woman. I saw a 16 year old girl. Addressing a crowd about an issue having nothing to do with tennis, and I see a, a 39-year-old man is is going to get knee surgery but continue playing in 2021, and I see a much more racially diverse and nationally diverse sport than than I did 20 years ago. Um, I I would push back on some of that, but I but I think your your point when the ball's in play, I think is a much different. Situation. I mean, do you, when, when do you think we lost this, When did we lose these fans?
2: Uh, I think, oh, so first of all, I think the game is extremely slow. Um, I think uh, a, a tennis match is a marathon. You have to sit down and have a, almost food for the next three hours, if not more. And to ask uh, a, a 15 or 20 or even 25 or 30 years old to do that, this is not going to happen. So that's a big problem. Uh, this is about the format and more than that. It's long plus. It's it's very boring for a non fan for a fan It's fine because the game is in itself is enough for me. I'm fine I can watch three hours a match and I'm happy but for someone who's not a tennis fan You have to realize that the time that people don't play is much longer than the time when people play and when they don't play they're basically uh, doing this with the towel they're, uh, they're bouncing the balls. They're choosing the ball. Bo- I mean, this, nothing's happening. This lasts so long. Uh, people wait all the time. Sometimes there is no break for almost a set. So nothing's happening. And the players are flat. Their behaviors, they all behave the same. There are a few exceptions, but aside of few exceptions, most of them behave the same all the time. And, uh, and they don't give anything, no emotions, nothing. So, for a non fan, honestly today, and and I don't even talk about how complicated it is scoring, how complicated it is the, the ranking system, and for a non fan, it's almost a no go. Uh, Twenty times before they get into tennis, so that's exactly the goal of UTS: get rid of all those no goes, create a format that is much faster, dynamic, surprising, uh, because that's how people uh, consume videos and 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 formats today
0: so how i mean i so i think we're in agreement i mean i i look out there and i see you know the number one highest paid female athlete is uh you know the japanese haitian who lives in florida i mean i i see terrific product when the ball outside of the matches and I, i don't know if you have this too i mean i oh people say i love serena williams oh she's my favorite and then you realize these people have never seen her play when they say i love serena williams they love what she stands for. They love following her on, on social media. They love it when she's on The View. They've never seen her hit a tennis ball. Um, so, so I mean, keep going with specifics. How do we, once the match starts, how do we make this more telegenic? How do we capture this with, with video better? And how do we bring in younger fans?
2: Um, so basically, the show, I mean, the match has to be much shorter.
0: Uh,
2: they have, a lot of things happening and not only two guys hitting tennis balls i think that uh, like in a good movie you have different personalities you have a story you have different actors you don't have only two actors you have several ones you have first role second role third roles
0: yeah i know where you're going with this all right so you we, we want coaching
2: um, that's not the only thing, but uh, I'm not supposed to give the too much details because we we do it tomorrow night at seven in the press conference, so I'm not supposed to give uh, some uh, details. So, but basically, uh, you bring other people on board in the match. Uh, you create uh, you create events within the match, and uh, and you surprise also. Not, you can In tennis, you don't surprise. I mean, there is only Kyrgios and Benoit Père who surprise. Nobody else is surprising anything. So, and I don't want only uh, Kyrgios. It would be boring also because we would know exactly what's going to happen. We just don't know when. Uh, we want different personalities. We want diversity. So, I, I, I agree with you. There are many more colored people than before. That's true. But the game styles are not as diverse as before at all. Not at all. The game styles. The young people... Sorry, but they're not going to play Grand Slam final because the rules are too... Uh, I mean, that's the, that's the whole point about the rule to prevent them from doing that. So it's not going to happen. And the personalities on court are very standardized. So I don't think I think that's what's interesting about human fact That we're all different. So if you serve the same person, there is there is no story. Actually, if I might, uh, if I may uh, make a comparison, I would say that a tennis match is a movie with only uh, person in the movie that are that are uh, nice uh, well behaved they don't do anything wrong and they're they're extremely politically correct so there is no
0: story that's what's tennis today um and that was not like that in the 80s at all I was gonna say I mean do you, do you think we're romanticizing the I mean we're talking about the tennis boom when a lot of these fans first got into tennis right so we're talking about w- w- whatever you want to say you know 76 to 86 right the the 80s do you think the sport was significantly different then then versus now? I mean, are we are we romanticizing, or do you think it really was materially different with the cap?
2: No, it was completely different.
0: Why do you say that? <laughs> uh,
2: just watch uh, watch this uh, this TV show called uh, The French 1981.
0: You probably watched it. Oh right 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 right. The 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 verite the, the the documentary with yeah yeah
2: yeah. You can compare. It's day and night. No, I think I think the I would say that I think the 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 players were very easy to identify. They they had really gr- strong personalities. You had the the Borg, you had McEnroe, you had Connors, Gerulitis, uh Nastasi. You know, all those guys had such strong personalities. And sometimes the personality was to be calm. Huh? It's not only crazy people. That's what I'm saying. But they were. And they were sharing much more their emotions with the crowd on the court you were they were going through all their emotions and they were showing that so they were engaging the crowd
0: so do you think the athletes today I mean let's say we, we relax we relax the code of conduct and we encourage players to express themselves they still go on their phone and it's you know Patrick, you're such a jerk and emojis and memes do you think even if we relaxed every every disincentive in the code players today would would want that role that with with social media and with commercial pressures is is are, you think players would respond differently than they do now
2: um i think in a way you're right uh, and uh i hear a lot of nonsense i mean that's my opinion <laughs> like people and agents saying oh you can't do that it's bad for your contracts and i i sorry but i have to answer you want to talk about curious contracts you want to talk about McEnroe's contracts? What is this? This is not right. No, this is not true. Right. <laughs> there is nothing worse than to be nobody. That's the worst. And right. I don't think it's right either to try to be somebody else. And I like this quote, be yourself, everybody else is already taken. <laughs> it applies perfectly to tennis. They try yeah. to play a role. And it's what I think is hurting tennis is the lack of authenticity. That's why I said I hate when they hug themselves at the end because they don't mean it. They right. just want to look good on TV. Most of them sometimes, sometimes there is a reason, but once in a while, not every match. And I knew when it started that it will be every match, and now it's almost every match they hug themselves. I mean, you they want to beat the other guy, is I mean, this is this is unauthentic, right? So, I think we should bring back authenticity. So, now will, will the players do it? I think, I think we have a good chance, even though a lot of people are saying wrong things that are not true. And there is a pressure from the sponsors. That's true too. I can tell you because I know. Uh, don't do that. It's not our brand. I mean, s- sorry about your brand, but this is me. <laughs> I mean, you have at at certain point, you can think only about the money. You have to also accept to be authentic and be yourself. And this has to be explained to the players. It has to be explained to the players also that the greatest star of the history of our game is John McEnroe. And is nothing like flats. Nothing. Nothing like politically correct. So this is not true. It's just about finding your your uh, your own image that reflects who you are. That's what it's about, more than trying to be perfect. It's like it's almost a competition to be the most politically correct. So it's so boring. It's clones. I hear clones. And you you
0: you know I'm right. I'm surprised to hear you say that. Um. So where so let's keep keep going with that though. Where where does the resistance come? Right. We always talk about what can we do to. To, to change the sport and to speed it up. And maybe we drop best of five sets and maybe we have a real, I mean, I totally agree with what you're saying. The, the dead time between points is just lethal. If you're, if you're my teenage kids, you have lost them. The minute you spend 30 seconds bouncing balls and going for towels, exactly. Where, where's the resistance coming? Who Who is opposing this? Who is, you know, you're saying we need to change and evolve and adjust. And I think most people would agree. Where does the resistance come so that we've had this conversation for years and years and not a whole lot has changed?
2: i give you just one figure. I had my people work on the time played during a match. You want to hear the result? How much time played compared to the non-played? So they did it on three matches. federer Birditz, they played 15% of the time. One five, huh? The whole match. Ball, ball, balls in play for 15% of the time of match. 15. Right. That's crazy. Uh, Nadal Korea on clay. Nadal Korea on clay. 22%. And Kalovic-Anderson, 6%, as you can guess. <laughs>
0: so, so where cool. is the resistance coming, though? I mean, who, who is opposing this? Who, who are these traditionalists that we keep hearing about that don't want to change? I'm not pointing fingers
2: at anyone. I'm just, uh, the only thing I can say is that I think it's difficult for the ATP and the WTA to make any change because the, the fan base of the ATP and the WTA are guys who were on board in the 80s and it's the same, still the same people. They're still here. They're still the fans now, today, because they're very loyal to tennis. And among them, a lot of them like tennis the way, and and in general, people are against any kind of change. So probably for ATP and WTA, it's difficult to take the risk to lose their fans. They have no guarantee that they're going to get new ones because Mm -hmm. they're not for the moment. So they stick to their fans and I completely understand it. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm thinking, well, they can do it. I understand it. I can do it. I have no fans. So it's easy for me to start from scratch and propose something different and we see if it's Appealing or not enough to the younger generation, and if we succeed, if we succeed,
0: there will be a. We have to find a space for both formats, and that's it. So I, I mean, you're you're being coy about what we're going to see from uh, from from UTS, but you think this is transferable to tour events? I mean, you 100%. These are uh... another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: Uh, a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I, I prefer that you see a uh, UTS and you tell me what you think about it. I mean, it's not the, the, it's not the ideal version I would like because we didn't have a lot of time. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's nothing compared to ATP and WTA. It's completely different. Uh, but, uh, I think UTS two or three. So the next, and then uh, the next, uh, showdowns, uh, will be closer to the, the final product I, I imagined.
0: Um, you have, uh, you have an event with, you know, top, top flight players, but very few of them. What do you, what do you think of, a uh, 128 draw major tournament in 2020? Should we still be, uh, should we still be talking about the U S open and French open? Would you like to see that happen?
2: Of course. I am a tennis fan, so I love grand slams. And I <laughs> am, uh, of course I want grand slams to take place.
0: Under these I, these circumstances though, you you'd like to see these events held? I don't know how it's gonna look like. I don't want them to look bad. That would be really terrible.
2: And I don't think they can happen if the top players refuse to play. And that's what it looks like for the US Open from what I heard. So if the top guys don't play and it doesn't look good, I mean it's the US Open. Don't don't I mean I wouldn't show a bad image of the US Open. Uh, I mean it's not a big deal to wait one more year. I mean, they will be, in the history, they will be one year without US Open and end.
0: Right. Well, si- significant uh, re- revenue loss, but... Um, uh, yeah, I, we all understand why they try to make it. <laughs> what, um, I, I want to ask you how big a deal to the players you think it is not to have fans. I mean, so Serena's an obvious example who, wherever she goes, she's playing on the big court, on TV, in front of you know, sometimes 20,000 fans. What do you think the role of the, the fan is going to be in these events that, you know, for, for the rest of the year and maybe even Australia, we, we may not have fans in the stands. What's the impact of that?
2: So we found a good solution, I think, at uh, UTS, you'll see. I mean, it's definitely an, a, a big, big extra to find uh, the motivation to play your best. Uh, I think players adapt to everything. That's uh, that's the number one quality of a professional tennis player, adaptation. So I think they will adapt. I think they'll know. They'll be live on TV all over the planet. There There is an opponent on the other side of the court that is a good player. Uh, they will find the motivation. But I, for sure, the event is better with the crowd. I'm not going to say that it's better without. It's not true.
0: What do you think is going to be the hardest part for the players when they come back? Uh...
2: I don't think it's going to be hard. I think they'll be so excited. You do. Uh, well, I tell you. I mean, I tell you because the, I see some here and they're playing next uh, in a few days and, I mean, they're different because they have a goal. When I mean, tennis player needs goals. They used to have goals, short-term goals all their lives. They have a tournament next week or the week after. So this is the thing that gets the motivation to do these extra things they need to do every day at practice to get ready. When you don't have that, it's extremely difficult. I can tell you, I see the difference with the guys here. Once they knew they were playing at UTS, they knew they are going to be live all over the planet. They know they're going to play some great players. Suddenly, boom, they know what they practice. Intensity, motivation goes to the next level. So I think as soon as they know they have tournaments and
0: they know when, they'll be fine. Right. No, I mean, pl- players after players, say that's been the hardest part about this period, that we don't know when we're coming back we don't know what surface if you if you tell me just to start running and you don't say it's a sprint it's 10 miles it's 15 miles if you just say start running and we'll tell you when to stop you don't know how to pace yourself exactly what 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 else have you learned so you have players at the academy right now what else have you learned about tennis players in the last 90 days what i just
2: told you um that if they don't have a short-term goal it's extremely difficult for them they're almost depressed they live like that all their life with this kind of, uh, um, yeah, this kind of pressure that they have to be ready for the next one. Uh, and this pressure helps them do the job well to get ready. And if they don't have that pressure, they don't even know why they step on the court. It's things that I've heard a lot. Why do I go on the court? What's the point? Maybe I'm not going to even play this year. What am I
0: doing? Um. I want to ask you, you know, respecting the, the professional relationship, I want to ask you about Serena, who's a player that obviously a lot of people are wondering about. She has a, a, a gap in her schedule, and she gets to be a wife and a mother and stay off of airplanes. Um, she also has a gap in her schedule. And uh, you know, at an age where she probably wants to play all the majors she can, how's she holding up, and uh, what, what are we expecting there?
2: I think she's fine. I think she uh, she needed rest anyway, and she would have taken rest. So she had the rest that she needed. Uh, They took a few weeks off doing nothing. I mean, nothing, nothing physical, Uh, doing a lot of things. But on the side, her her daughter, of course, her family and and her businesses. Uh, And then she started to just get back in shape doing fitness and lately uh, tennis a few times a week. Uh, and I know, uh, and I know that uh, it just—I mean—the goal is just to have the body still get used to the sports and, and the tennis in particular, and and then uh, we're gonna go more specific as early as she knows when she's gonna play next, like every player. And I think she's fine, and I think uh,
0: to have had more time to rest is not a bad thing for her. And, and she says, uh, Patrick. They're going to play the U.S. Open, and I'm going to have – may all you have to take one member of my entourage, and I may have to be in a airport hotel for two and a half or three weeks. On the other hand, it's a chance to win this 24th major. What what do you tell her if she asks for your uh, for your input? No, I will, I will tell
2: her to go 100 percent, for sure, even without me, if she wants to go with a daughter, but someone has to take care <laughs> of that. daughter. Uh, no, no, but definitely she should go. You think she should? Oh, 100 percent. Hundred percent. She has goals, so right. anything right. that can
0: get her closer to her goals is a positive thing for me. So UTS uh, UTS kicks off. I, I'm looking at the field. I see Sizapas, Berattini, GoFan, Gasquet. These are uh, these are top flight players. What what do you expect from them? I mean, you're you're being very coy about the format. We're gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna to have to hear your your press conference to get the specifics but tell us give us a little uh, sense of what we can expect
2: I mean I spoke to them individually 30 minutes before they, they enrolled because i wanted to be sure that they were excited about a format and they really wanted to do it and the the feedbacks were super positive i think they're excited to do something different i explained to them that uh, we're trying to find the best format for the future of tennis so they're young i mean not all of them but even the not the young, even the, the older ones, they were they were thinking it's fun, it's different, uh, and it's competition, and we play great players, so it's it's only positive. So they were they were easy. Um, what to expect? Very fast, uh, a sprint rather than a marathon. Uh, a tennis match will be a sprint with us. Um, things are going to go fast. Uh, everything's going to be fast. Everything's going to be exciting. Everything's going to be emotional. If you are a tennis fan, you have to look at that because you'll see uh, tennis differently. And if you're not a tennis fan, you'd better look because maybe you're gonna like tennis now. That's that's really the goal
0: here to bring in to bring in these casual fans.
2: 100%. Uh, you have to propose them something that they can like. So we try. I mean, I'm not saying we know. I'm just saying we look at the issues that tennis has and uh, the. Uh, can, the hurdles that peop, new fans would have to climb to, to get into tennis. We take, we, we take those older hurdles, we take them out. We, we propose a format that is more interactive, more fun, more emotional, more fast, faster. And, uh, and we, we hope they, they will love it. And if not, we will make more adaptations and we'll get, at the end we'll get the right format. And for me it's something we, we build all together. I'm happy and interested with your feedback or anybody's feedback who uh, knows tennis well who has the sense of what the fans would like. And, uh, yeah, and that's what I said to the broadcasters also. We do that all together.
0: I, uh, no, I mean, I, I, it sound, you, you scared me there at, in the beginning, I got to tell you, because I, I see tennis, I think the format needs an absolute overhaul. I watch my kids when tennis is on TV, and it's just not realistic. They're going to sit there and watch. And there's dead time. You, you and I could argue about the code. But I look outside of tennis. I, I look not, you know, at the time, other than the match itself. And I see this wonderful cast from around the world that's, you know, from, from ages 16 to 39. And it's it's men and women and international. And then, you know, Novak's talking about vaccinations and Curios and Murray are on Instagram. I mean, I think one of my frustrations is that The players and the cast of characters are great. And then when it's showtime, it's exactly what you said. It's a bland movie once it's actually showtime. But once the movie's not playing, you you love these guys. So uh, it it sounds like you, you and I are in a similar place here.
2: I think so. I feel so. Just one thing about the Code of Conduct. 33 pages to tell people. So even on the ethic, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that it basically tells people how they have to behave. This is unacceptable for me. Unacceptable. They can tell them you can't go that far or that far. This is fine, but in this in the middle there is a space where they should be able to to uh, to behave the way they want. You know, we're humans. We, we, we nowhere else on the planet you're not allowed to be yourself. That's, that
0: tennis school is the only place. And you, I mean, just to end here, and and you think players would do this? You think with with social media pressures and agents, you think players would take advantage of that if this code of conduct was relaxed? If there
2: are more guys than me who are saying the same things, that it's not true that it's going to hurt their their image, I think it's exactly the opposite. Uh, I think it's always better to be yourself than trying to be somebody else. Uh Um, I think that people love to share emotions when you share your emotions with them. Of course some people will dislike you that's true too but a lot of people will like you and i mean i think Serena is a good example right because she's very emotional she, she 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 brings her emotion and that's also why she's so popular right of course because she's a the champion she is but also because of of that i think and she's then- very human on the court she's crying she's uh, she lets her emotion go
0: flow and she's human and when the other ones looks not human um and, okay. and she's gonna and she's in a position where she doesn't have to deal with back you know she's reached a level where she doesn't have to worry about backlash but I no heard. that's that's a good put your points points well taken okay um yeah good luck it. this is great we will uh we're, we're gonna send feedback
2: thank you very much all thank
0: right you. pleasure as always thank all you right. john take care all right thanks to our guest, patrick baroniclu always a pleasure talking with him um one of these uh forces of good in the game. And you you agree with him on some matters. You perhaps disagree with him on others. He cuts a a bit of a controversial figure, but he wants what's best for the sport. And yet you you have to respect that. Again, the UTS kicks off June 13th and goes through July 12th. And then it sounds like we might see Patrick in one capacity or another at at the U.S. Open. So uh, anyway, we thank him for his time and we will be uh, watching UTS. If you guys have comments, good, bad, or indifferent, we would be happy to forward those to Patrick since he uh, asked for feedback and we believe he's sincere. Uh, Jamie, let me uh, bring you in. Thanks as always for your uh, producer excellence. I want to ask you, Jamie, from where you sit, um, I I don't want to say how bad is it, but uh, what do you make of tennis and this stagnation that Patrick referenced?
1: I think it's a two-part answer, as you said. I think we agree with Patrick on some parts and not others. I think the idea of whether it's a faster-paced format or um, a little bit more of a of the times way for younger fans to interact with players, we see this a lot with the NBA, for example, who has done a lot with. Innovation within the game and really trying to attract, you know, a younger audience, whether it's on TikTok or whether it's the ability for fans to, um, you know, interact during matches, whatever it is, um, we've seen that. And I think, you know, he's right to say that that we should have tennis be a little bit more of the times in that way. But I also have to say that, especially in the past few weeks, I think the young stars of the game have really spoken up and um, carved out a place for themselves. So to say that there's no appetite for um, a younger audience to engage with tennis, I think it's it's a little bit wrong because I don't think the only way a younger audience is going to engage with tennis is through tennis itself. I think all of the off-court things that happen with the players and the game will also help. And I think players like Coco Goff and others who have really shown us um, their off-the-court personalities and interests and passions in these past few weeks will will kind of help to carry that going forward.
0: Can I um, can I make an out-there point? Tell sure. me if you uh, agree or disagree. I, f- I mean, first of all, I, I think overall I, I agree with what he said. I mean, again, when the ball is in play, if we're just talking about the format of tennis from, you know, Balls in play were warming up to match point. I agree a lot can be done. I really take issue with what he was saying about players lacking personality and not having uh, color, uh, literal or metaphorical. I mean, I thought that was a strange remark to make, especially for a guy who coaches the players he does and works with the players he does. I would put today's cast of characters against the 70s or 80s or certainly 90s uh, any day of the week in terms of sort of collective character. But I I think his points were well taken about when the ball's in play. The one point I would make is I just think a lot of this is how we consume sports these days. And, I mean, I remember when when Michael Jordan used to play, I would watch an entire NBA game. I mean, I I love the NBA. I covered the NBA for years. I cannot tell you when the last time I watched an NBA game. I mean, baseball to me is unwatchable, and yet I I can still be a fan and follow it on social media, and I, I can follow the players, and I can watch highlights. I am not sure there are that many sports fans. Um, you know the, the UFC might be an exception, where the fights at a maximum last twenty five minutes, and at a minimum they last a matter of seconds. Take that out of it. I'm not sure sports fans in general watch sports that much anymore. I mean we know, We know about the ratings, we know about the NBA ratings. We know everybody loves the NBA everybody's an nBA fan, except for the inconvenient fact that nobody is watching the games anymore. I just think the whole experience of being a sports fan has moved from watching games to following athletes on social media and following some of the the, the, the feuds and the disputes and the memes and real Rex Chapman. I just think that never mind tennis's average age of a fan going up, I just don't think a lot of sports fans watch sports as much as as they used to. I mean, I, I think this is really a, I don't think it's a problem either. I just think it's a it's a viewing habit. It's a consumption habit. That goes way beyond tennis. Um, so that's that's a sort of a, a filibuster, but I, I don't disagree with him that kids today are not sitting down to watch a best of five tennis match. But I'm also not sure they're watching an NFL game from the first quarter to the fourth quarter or an NBA game either. So anyway, that's just just my two cents.
1: No, I mean it's a it's a bold statement uh, to say, but I get where you're getting at, and that's sort of what I was saying that I think. The tennis players of today are, as you said, just as interesting, or if not more interesting, both on and off the court. I think that's the benefit that social media and the you know the 2020 era has given us with athletes is that we're seeing these different sides and we can interact with them differently, and uh, that's that that's what keeps us um, you know interested when they're on the court or off the court, and so as i said i think the the younger players you know are going to carry that and i think as as they grow up um the younger players that come after them will will use them as the example of how they should carry themselves when it comes to uh, off the court issues or um, even even on the court, you know. I think we saw we saw it with Naomi Osaka and Coco Golf, um, you know, and and their moment that they shared on the court. So I think there's a lot to learn there. But I do agree that the um, lack of a prolonged attention span for sports that you kind of alluded to definitely exists. And that's why I said that a, you know, some of the changes that he, he spoke of, whether it's a faster paced format or um, you know, a little bit more interaction between fans and players or whatnot is something that I think that the game could probably use in order to fulfill uh, you know, a, a fan's desire of today.
0: I'm really eager to see uh his event and the, the innovations or the tweaks or whatever you want to call it um, about the UTS. Clearly he has some proverbial tricks up his sleeve that he was uh, re- reluctant to share. Um, I, I just, I wonder, I mean, I agree with him that something needs to be done to the format and it's also don't take, you know, don't take my kids as an example, look sometimes at a match and notice even in the player's box These are the people who in theory have the most emotional investment in the whole stadium in this match watch how many of them are looking at their phones when the camera pans to them i mean again i just i'm not sure it's it's reasonable to expect even the most hardcore invested fans to sign up for for three hours of of, a ball going back and forth especially with towel breaks and ball bouncing um i do wonder what you thought about his remarks? I mean, what, what do you think, Jamie, about this U.S. Open? That Again, it is, whatever today is, June, t- time is completely fluid, by the way. Time is <laughs> like... Uh,
1: June late, 10th.
0: June 10th. On, on June 10th, we still um, have a U.S. Open. We have this conversation every week, and uh, the, we, we have some plot shifts, but no major changes. As of now, the U.S. Open is on. No fans very unclear we certainly won't have Roger Federer who's shutting it down for the year unclear though which players will uh be in the draw and which weren't Patrick obviously is very much encouraging Serena Williams to be there where um where are you right now on the 2020 U.S. Open Jamie?
1: Yeah I thought it was interesting I mean Patrick didn't really take the bait on your question about Serena (laughs) but (laughs) uh he said that he would recommend her to go, which is fine. I, I think you brought this up in your mailbag this week, but there's no guarantee that these players are going to go. And now, of course, we know that Federer is shutting down his season for the year due to, due to the injury setback. Um, so I we've talked about this, and this was something I mentioned way back when at the beginning of this pandemic. But I'm not sure if, you know, the big three and Serena and others decide not to play. I'm not sure if we still, you know, can call this tournament a major or how the players will feel about going to a tournament that maybe doesn't have the competition that they're looking for. Um, We also talked about just the general idea of players going and what they have to go through in order to string together that set of matches in order to win and how amazing it would be um, for that player to overcome all of the things that we've all been experiencing for the past few months and still come out on top and still win the U.S. Open. So I, I'm not sure. I think, um, you know, with the PGA tour uh starting tomorrow i think even the golfers have commented you know that it would be really weird to hear uh crickets after a a crazy hole in one shot or something and i think that tennis players of course would have a sim- similar feeling there but the the bottom line is is that without fans it's across the board everyone's playing without fans so it's going to be weird for everyone and the adjustment back to play is going to be weird for everyone so um, I'm not really sure if it's the best idea to do it. But as you said, we have not heard otherwise. So I remain on the fence with mixed emotions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we all have mixed emotions. And there's, there's just, we, we all want tennis back. The USTA just, just had terrible job cuts. You know, it's, that's no good for, for anyone. We hate to see that. We want to see players back. To earning a living. We want to see fans back to being entertained. We want to see racket stringers and, and coaches. I mean, there's a whole tennis microeconomy that's that's been stalled here. The flip side is, boy, does this seem like a strange way to uh, get your sport back. And I, I don't know what happens if the Stars don't play. I mean, Federer's out. Rafa Nadal, Djokovic have been something other than enthusiastic. Ash Barty has has intimated she ain't crossing an ocean to play the U.S. Open. I don't know what this, you know, if, if this tournament has the field of, uh, you know, a, a 500 event, I'm not sure who that benefits. Right. Um, I, I mean, I guess I have mixed feelings. I mean, we we were talking on um, on Tennis Channel. I don't know if you saw it, Danielle Collins had some some unkind words for Novak Djokovic, essentially saying like, "Don't be a baby." On the one hand, you were so great in this relief fund and now you're not going to come the number one player in the world isn't going to come to the biggest event when tennis needs to get back because you can't bring your entire entourage a part of me says you know what like Djokovic can do whatever he wants and if he doesn't feel like playing you can't blame him and it just means somebody else is going to get his spot in the draw but the flip side of that is if star after star after star pulls out what are we left with and is ESPN going to be happy with that? Is the USTA going to be happy with that? Is the tournament even going to happen if, you know, if there are two top 10 players in the field, which I, I had heard by one count is where we are right now. There are two guaranteed top 10 players and the other eight are either on the fence or our nose. Um, can you still call it a major and hold a 14 day event?
1: Are you, know. are you thinking, that that's going to be the case as well for the French Open? Or are players having a radically different outlook when it comes to Roland Garros in the fall?
0: I I would say for a variety of reasons, radically different outlook. I mean, one of them is just simply that the nerve center of tennis is in Western Europe right now, and nobody's crossing an ocean. I have not heard that the tennis players are all going to have to essentially quarantine in the same hotel as they are in New York. I mean, right now they're talking about all 256 singles players in the same airport hotel. So they're not in Manhattan. It's not like they can go to Central Park or their favorite sushi place. I've heard that if they run out of toothpaste, someone's got to go get it for them. They can't leave the hotel. This is going to be very strict. Um, again, that's at the U.S. Open. I think if, if you're watching the news about Western Europe, it does not seem to be quite as restrictive um, you know, again, I mean, Roger Fed, I think I said this last week, Roger Federer is three hours by train from Paris. Uh, Rafa Nadal is, you know, a 75-minute flight. Djokovic, probably an hour flight. It's, it's much different as far as travel to get there. But I also, I think the fact that I haven't heard anything about the entourages at the French Open, but I, I've heard nothing about this kind of everybody in one hotel and in between matches you can't leave. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot more freedom of movement in Paris. So I I think uh, right now, I think, again, June 10th timestamp, I think the French Open, probably a greater likelihood of occurring and definitely a greater likelihood of having the kind of field we're accustomed to at a major.
1: Right. I mean, that makes sense. I think the French Open might start to have those very specific discussions that the U.S. Open is having right now about whether it's hotel sharing or quarantining or whatever it may be. Maybe we're just not there yet and maybe they're waiting for a another tournament to maybe test out the waters a bit, but yeah, I I mean, that makes sense. I just, the, uh, there will be players who have to cross an ocean, but to your point, the majority um, won't have to. So it will be interesting again, still, still mixed emotions here on whether or not New York is ready for this and whether or not the U S open should take the leap and, and make tennis the experiment for a grand event like this?
0: It uh, seem, seems like a, a high risk proposition. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I do think we also need to look at it from all different angles. And one of them is the marginal tennis player. I, one, one player had a good point. They said, listen, it, if I win one match at the US Open, that's almost $100,000. That covers my year, basically. And it's been a very rough year financially for most players. And Danielle Collins made this point in her post. I mean, the if, 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 if top stars are worth, you know, nine figures. And their grandkids' grandkids don't have to worry about their college fund. I mean, they're set for generations. You don't go too far down the ladder. And the player on the other side of the net has really been struggling. So if you're ranked 65 in the world, one match, one best of three match if you're a woman, one best of five match if you're a man, and you can basically salvage this financial wreckage of 2020, um, I I get why those players want to play. And I get why there's pressure on the USTA. And um, again, I mean, it's it's, it's very unfortunate. I think everybody gets a wide berth. I wrote this in the column this week. If, If nothing else, I think it's a wonderful exercise that tennis has started to think in such imaginative and fairly dramatic terms. This is a sport that, you know, whether the stupid shot clock is 25 seconds versus 20 seconds uh, constitutes a big innovation. So it's, it's great that we're really innovating now, but yeah, I, I just, I, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm still feeling very ambivalent about this US Open and I feel like a lot of fans are as well. Crazy times. I suspect Jamie, when we talk next week, we will have a little more clarity but you know what? These days, who knows?
1: <laughs> Amen to that.
0: All right. Thank you, as, uh, thank you as always. We will have another guest uh, next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Patrick Maratoglu. Uh Jamie, as always, does great work. And leave a review. Subscribe. It always helps. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. And uh, have a good, healthy week, everyone. We'll do it again in seven days.